Okay, welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk Church. So welcome to all of you that are in the room with me uh, right now. And those of you who are joining us at another site, if you're at Blackhawk uh, Fitchburg, hey, hope you're doing well. Blackhawk Downtown, good to uh, see you. And uh, also everybody that is online uh, right now and joining us. So welcome uh, to Blackhawk Church. Those are in Gospel Fusion. Those are in Traditions. So welcome. Those of you who are uh, Mandarin speakers, Dijong Zimei Ping An, and our Spanish speakers, Bienvenidos a Blackhawk. So we're going through this series uh, right now. We're like two-thirds of the way through this series on summer camp. So it's Adventures in Spiritual Practices. So the idea here with this series is that we don't want to just learn stuff. We want to like at summer camp, we want to like actually uh, do stuff. We want to like challenge you to do new things. Like if you went to summer camp and you didn't normally do archery, you're going to learn how to do archery or ride a horse or swim or something like that. So the idea here is that we're going to every week introduce a different spiritual practice and we're going to challenge you, okay, like work on that and do that. That's the idea. So the spiritual practice we're going to work on today or we're going to think about is crossing boundaries, crossing boundaries. So like, what, what, what am I talking about? So let's go back to like a real summer camp experience. So the first thing that happens if you went to a summer camp is that you get assigned to a cabin or like a bunk um, room or something like that. So you get in your cabin and then automatically what happens is that people start separating into their different tribes. So like, you know, the cool kids get with the cool kids, the athletes get with the athletes, you know, the kids from the city get with the city kids, country kids get, this automatically takes place. Those are the boundary lines that we start to draw. But what happens during the week and at the end of the week, those boundary lines have been crossed and they almost completely disappear because all of a sudden the cool kids are with the smart kids and the athletes and you guys are saying goodbye to each other and going, oh my gosh, you're my best friend forever. I'm going to miss you. We're going to write each other and all these kind of things. And so you're like friends with all the kids that you kind of separated yourself from. How you guys doing? You understand what I'm talking about? If you had that kind of experience, say amen. Yeah, some of you didn't have that experience, I guess. So you had a bad experience at summer camp. But at most summer camps, that's what takes place. And it's very intentional. Because the people who run the summer camps know that kids divide into different kinds of groups. But they cause you to eat together. You're in the same bunkhouse. You do archery together. You swim together. You compete with other cabins. And that causes the lines or the boundaries between the differences that kind of melt away. So there are still differences. The city kids are still the city kids. Country kids are still the country kids. But the imaginary lines that separate us and that we draw between the groups, those disappear at summer camp. And so what we want to talk about today is like, how can we, as Christ followers, cross boundary lines intentionally? So here are the, some of the kind of differences that we have in our world today. 
male or female, race, ethnicity, nationality, religion, politics, urban, suburban, rural. These are kind of differences. So these differences exist, but what happens is that we start drawing a line between us and the other people. You guys following me? So the way I'm using the word line in the talk today is to talk about this boundary. It's imaginary. As human beings, we are line-drawing people. We create boundaries all the time. The differences are there. You can't do anything about the differences. But we start drawing lines and start separating these differences and become almost barriers that we refuse to cross. It's easy to see this in the area of politics today. So there's obviously differences between Republicans and Democrats, and we draw a line between the two. And actually, in our world today, uh, it's so much so that we're actually told to kind of mobilize resentment towards people on the other side. So it creates a real tension in our community. I mean, you guys following what I'm saying? So today we want to talk about how do we intentionally cross those lines? The differences are still going to be there. But how can we cross those boundaries and do it intentionally? Because when we pick up the Bible and we look at the life of Jesus, make no mistake, there are hard boundary lines in his world. But he was the kind of person who would intentionally cross those boundary lines. He did it all the time. Today, we're just going to look at one passage where he crosses several boundary lines. So that's the spiritual discipline we're going to talk about today. How can we intentionally cross these boundary lines? Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4. Take your Bibles, your devices, whatever you have, turn to John chapter 4. We'll look at a time when Jesus crossed several of these lines. Okay, here we go. You ready? Doesn't matter. I'm going to do this anyway. <laughs> now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, she said to Jesus, can I give you some water? No, that's not what it says. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's a boundary line. 
There are a couple of different boundary lines that Jesus is intentionally crossing here. So the very first one we might not notice, and that's this difference between uh, men and women, male, female. He's intentionally crossing this line. Remember, the Bible's not written to us, it's written for us. This was written to people who lived in a day when the society was patriarchal. Men were like up here, women were like down here, children were like down here. There was a vast difference between the dominance of men and the, you know, the inferiority of women. We, no one would ever say that today, but that's the world in which they lived in. The world was so patriarchal, it would just, if any of us went back into that day, we would just be like totally shocked. So this is a line that Jesus is crossing. He initiates the conversation with a woman. They, they lived in a day where men might not even talk to their own wives in public. It's just that stark of a difference. In fact, you know, the disciples had gone to the grocery store, and when they come back, this is the very first thing they'll notice about what Jesus is doing. He's talking to a woman. Second line that Jesus is crossing is the obvious one in the text. And that we see that in verse nine. Verse nine reads, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And this goes back for hundreds and hundreds of years. Let me show you a map. So Jesus was in uh, Jerusalem and the way most people, get rid of that. How do I do, get rid of that here? Jesus was in Jerusalem. Isn't that cool when that happens to me? It doesn't happen to the other teachers. Have you noticed that? <laughs> What's with that? All right. Jesus was in Jerusalem. This is a three-day trek from here to up here. Most of the time, they went like this way. They went around Samaria. Most Jews traveled that way. Why? Just to avoid this area. But verse four says, Jesus had to go through Samaria and he stops at this well right here. The differences between the Samaritans and the Jews were many. 700 years before this conversation uh, took place, uh, the Syrians uh, took, carted off all the people who lived in that area and they repopulated the area with uh, foreigners. Persians, people like that. And so the Samaritans didn't, weren't pure Jewish. You guys follow me? They weren't pure bloods. And the Jews in Judea looked down on them because of that. So they had different backgrounds. They had different Bibles. The Samaritans' Bible was thinner. They recognized the first five books of our Old Testament, the Pentateuch. They recognized Abraham and Moses. But they didn't recognize the prophets or the historical literature and especially David. So Abraham, like he worshiped in, in, uh, he worshiped in Shechem. David worshiped in Jerusalem, kind of founded Jerusalem. So the Samaritans, they worshiped in different places. They read different Bibles. And the Samaritans and the Jews it was a clash between them. It would be similar to what we would call today like a racial uh, difference, a racial clash. They didn't associate with each other. And Jesus 
He just walks right through that line. You guys follow me? All right, let's keep going in the narrative. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Whoa, 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 whoa. This is like deep stuff here. So the symbolism in the book of John is really really something that is is dramatic. And Jesus is going right towards that here. He's talking about a different kind of well. He's talking about living water. It's, it's spiritual to him. And in the book of John, we see this all over the book of John. In chapter two, Jesus is a different kind of temple. Chapter three, Jesus is a different kind of rabbi. In chapter six, he's a different kind of bread. Chapter 15, he's a different kind of vine. And here in chapter four, he's a different kind of well. She's thinking about physical water. Jesus is talking about something else. Let's continue. Verse 13. Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See what she's thinking? Physical water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say, you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. As far as this story goes, this is kind of the famous part of the story. This whole idea that she's had five husbands. And a lot of things are said about this, like, the, you know, we're trying to, paint her to be some kind of despicable person or something like that. And actually, the text doesn't go there at all. We don't know why she's had five husbands. We don't know if they've all died, if they've been divorced. We don't know that much about her moral character. We can suppose that she's living in a small town and other people knew that also. But what I want to focus on here is what is actually in the text. Why does Jesus say, go call your husband when he knows she doesn't have a husband? What's happening here? See, I think what's going on here, and now I'm reading into the text here. I think Jesus is probing. I mean, just imagine uh, somebody in a small community, a small conservative community, having had five husbands and the person they are living with now is not their husband, you just, you just imagine that she's probably faced some kind of a social repudiation. Just, I'm just saying. 
whatever. Jesus is saying to her, I know you. I know you. And what's true about you doesn't keep me from coming toward you. Hey, you guys, you see that? He's crossing like a social line. Well, whatever he's doing, it gets, uh, it gets her attention right away. Narrative continues. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So if he had a microphone, this is when you drop it. You see, this is, he's crossing another line here. He's crossing like the religious uh, traditions uh, line. So this is the difference between the Jews and Samaritans. When, uh, when she says this mountain, she's talking about Mount Gerizim. Here's a map. She's talking about Mount Gerizim, this mountain here. You know, and, uh, you know, for hundreds of years, they had a temple there. But just a couple hundred years before this conversation, that temple was destroyed. But still, it was a sacred place to the Samaritans. And they're not going to worship in Jerusalem. That's where the Jews worship. And Jesus is saying to her, well, the Jews have it right. Because our Bible is bigger than your Bible. We include the prophets and David. But trust me, he says, there's a time coming and now is when place doesn't matter. Because true worship is done in spirit and in truth. And she's like, oh my gosh. I know the Messiah is going to, and I'm, this is an, it's an incredible conversation. Jesus is having a conversation about the nature of true worship with a woman, a Samaritan woman. And right then, the, uh, <laughs> the disciples, they show up and they don't have a clue as to what's going on. Read in the text. Just then the disciples returned. And we're surprised to find him talking with a woman. See there? But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? So they're like, they're like shocked. He's talking to a woman. And if they'd heard any part of the conversation, like this rabbi talking with the Samaritan woman about the nature of true worship, they would have been like, oh, what's this happening here? So she gets it. And they don't. That's what's happening in the text. The next passage, she leaves, her, she leaves her water jar. The reason she came there to get water, she leaves that. Verse 28, then leaving her water, 
the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. While they're making their way toward him, the disciples are like, we, we need to, Rabbi, you need to eat something because, you know, maybe the sun's affecting you. You need some food here. And Jesus is like, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I have food that you don't even know about. And then the Samaritans are like coming toward them. I just picture like a lot of them. And it kind of looks like a wheat field. And Jesus calls out the disciples, look, the harvest is plentiful. Basically like pointing to the true food, these people coming to faith in Christ. How you guys doing? I'm getting too excited, aren't I? This is the food right here. Not the grocery stuff, but this right here. And then the Samaritans show up with her. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Someone say amen. So if we were reading the whole book of John, like this, the contrast between this and John 3 is like unbelievable. So like in John 3, you remember the name of the guy that comes to Jesus in John 3? Anybody remember that? Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like a member of the ruling council. He's a man and he's like one of the lead rabbis. He sits down at night with Jesus and asks him a couple of questions. Jesus answers the questions and the rabbi has like no idea what's going on. He doesn't believe. And then we come to chapter four and we see an unnamed woman who's from Samaria. And we see one of the longest dialogues Jesus ever has with anyone in all the New Testament. And she gets it. She not only gets it, she becomes a witness for him. And then all these people come to faith in Christ. It's like the Book of, like John is saying, don't follow the Jewish rabbi, Nicodemus, follow the woman. That's what's happening in the text. And it's happening because Jesus crossed boundary lines very intentionally. All right, how's this relate to our life? How do we cross lines today? Well, first, be on a mission. Jesus was on a mission. Verse four says he had to go through Samaria. And the scholars debate as to why he has to go through. I don't think it has anything to do with geography. I think it has to do with theology. Jesus had to demonstrate to his disciples at this early part of, of their understanding of him that he's not just the Jewish savior, that he's actually the savior of the world, and, that, and they could see that as all of these Samaritans come to him. So when we cross boundary lines, are we on a mission? Now, we live in the Madison area, and uh, diversity is nothing but cool. Everybody would say, oh, yes, absolutely. But we shouldn't uh, practice diversity, and we shouldn't practice crossing lines because we're trying to be cool. We should do it because we care about the gospel. 
Do you want to see other people come to faith in Jesus Christ or only the people in your tribe? We should be on a mission too, to cross boundary lines. The next one, be wise, it's complicated. So we have to be wise when we cross lines. I can can just imagine that there might be a middle schooler or a high schooler watching this message right now And your parents don't want you hanging out with certain people, but you want to hang out with those people. And you could actually use this sermon against your parents. (laughs) Well, I should be able to hang out with these other people uh, because listen to the message from Pastor Chris. I should be able to cross those boundary lines. And then your parents are going, I can't stand Pastor Chris. Why did he do that? So this is about influence. So let me just speak to high schoolers and middle schoolers. Jesus was a, like a super mature Christian. Okay, that's like a joke. So he was a person that influenced others. He wasn't influenced by others. He's like a rock, not a sponge. Your parents are concerned about the fact that you might be a sponge, and you might be actually influenced by other people. So that's why they're saying, oh, there should be some lines here. So I'm saying, yeah, they're right. Be wise. It's complicated. So like in the book of Proverbs, when um, the author is actually like talking to his son, his children, uh, he says this, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. This is about wisdom. So we have to be careful about who we hang out with. There's another verse in Proverbs. Oh, where is that? It's, um, oh, where is, where is that? Uh, be, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. Anybody ever heard of that verse? Yeah, that's the verse I assigned to you guys. You're supposed to memorize that verse. Remember back on June 25th? This is Proverbs 3. I gave it to you guys in assignment. I told you on August 6th, I would quiz you. And this is August 6th. I'm going to quiz you again on September 3rd, okay? Here's the verse that you guys should all be memorizing. Read it together with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Be wise. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. There are lines that I have created that I just will not cross. There are movies that I will not watch. There are websites that I will not open. There are places I will not go. This is actually a good conversation in, in community groups. When should we draw lines and how do we know? That's a good conversation. Next one, be curious. What are the Samaritans like, actually? Maybe the things I've heard about them are not true. Be curious. Be open-minded. Hang out. (laughs) Why do you think that way? That's what this is about. Not too long ago, I was asked to be in a reading group uh, on campus where um, 
uh, people from different religious backgrounds gathered and we read the same books and then we would discuss the book. And then after the discussion, we'd read another book and then discuss that, another book and discuss that. And uh, there were people from all kinds of different backgrounds there. People uh, who were Hindu, Islamic, Jewish, uh, Roman Catholic, different kinds of Christians. And uh, one of the things that I learned from that was that I was not the sharpest blade in the drawer, that's for sure. A lot of brilliant people in the room. And man, did I learn things. It was a great, it was a great thing. So be curious. Why does the person on the other side of this boundary line, why do they think the way they do? What's their story? Be curious. The next one. Be self-critical. You know, there's this thing called filter bubbles. You know about that, right? You know what a filter bubble is? It's Wikipedia. Filter bubbles in popular social media and personalized search sites can determine the particular content seen by users, often without their direct consent or cognizance due to the algorithms used to curate that content. That's Wikipedia. Here's something that I can understand. Here's a picture. We all are in these little filter bubbles. You know this, right? Somebody say, yes, you already do this. This, this, is, this happens, okay? So here's another picture. So there's you, and then uh, this Netflix, Amazon, Huffington Post, New York Times, all that kind of stuff. And um, you think you are into diversity because uh, the different kinds of bubbles are bigger or smaller or different shades, but it's all blue, basically. Oh, let me stop for a second. Forgot, yeah. So, gosh, I know that the colors mean something in our world today, like blue, Democrat, red, but I didn't choose that because of this. I just thought this was a cool image. So I don't need any emails about this, okay? I just thought it was just, I'm just trying to illustrate something, okay? What I'm illustrating is that uh, the filter bubble you're in and all the things that are in your little filter bubble, um, they're not there accidentally. So somebody's playing with an algorithm. And you click on, like, I like bicycles. I click on bikes all the time, and all of a sudden, trails are coming up, and different kinds of bikes are coming up. I'm thinking, isn't this cool? My computer is so cool. It knows all this stuff. So be self-critical. Know that your screen isn't innocent. There's certain things that are coming in. So you have to intentionally figure out, what's that green bubble about? What's that orange bubble about? You guys follow me? You know that all you listen to is MSNBC. You're getting a slant. You know that, right? You know if all you listen to is Fox, you're getting a slant. You know that, right? So be self-critical. Learn, be open about, well, what, what is the Samaritans? What do they actually believe? Why do they believe that? Cross those boundaries. Cross those lines. Last is this. Be bold. Jesus was just bold. He's just like, boom. Just, there's a woman. I'm just going to talk to her. Samaritan, doesn't matter. Boom. Just going to talk to her. Be bold. Be the, uh, be the only 50-year-old uh, person who volunteers to be uh, working in college-age ministry, you know? Be the person who wears tattoos around... Everybody who doesn't wear tattoos or just vice versa. 
Be the Republican who has a bunch of Democratic friends or the Democrat who has a bunch of Republican friends. Be different. Be bold. Be, a, be the man who volunteers for children's ministry. You know, like 25% of our volunteers are men in children's ministry. That should, why is that? It should be higher than that. Be bold. Be different. Be out of place. And be out of place intentionally. How are you guys doing with this? It's very quiet in here. I'm going to ask all the worship teams to come back onto the platforms at various uh, sites and venues. And I'm going to put this list back up here that I put out earlier. And, you know, this list could go on and on. That's why I put down other lines down here. So I want you to look at that list. Where, uh, where are the differences in your world? And you know there's differences, and you don't want to cross a line or a boundary. Just look at that list. This is not an easy message for me to put together. Because I, I know about the tension in our community. You can feel it. What would happen, Blackhawk Church, if we were different from the rest of the world? Just saying. What would happen? See Matt's message from last week? What would happen if we actually were like Jesus and we like intentionally would cross boundary lines for the sake of the mission? And personally, I'm not good at it. I draw lines. You draw, we all draw lines. And as I was working on this talk from John 4, I was realizing I've got a long way to go before I'm like Jesus. Because I know boundaries exist and sometimes I don't cross them. So I thought maybe for myself, it might be something that I need to do first. And that is just repent and just confess this is a sin. So I thought other people might feel that way too. And I thought maybe we should just do a corporate confession. So it's a prayer from the book of common prayers that we put up from time to time as a corporate confession. And if you feel like you need something to confess, like you're not crossing lines, like you should probably cross lines. This is a prayer you can read out loud with me. Reading together. Most merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. All God's people said, 